Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. And here we are, back once again in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Welcome one and all, and of course... Because this is the luxurious corner booth, that means it's big. Huge. That's, that's huge, and that's right. We uh, we have plenty of room around the table. Uh, of course, we'd have a bit more room if our co-host, Tom, would take his elbows off the table. Tom, I know Mama Dorian taught you better than that. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Thanks, Mom. Today's topic, the church and science. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have anything, nothing witty to no. say? No, I'm just curious about that big feast you look like you got planned there. You got your, got your napkin tucked there in your collar and... I'm ready, to, something I'm ready big. to dig in. Uh, I can tell. Ready to dig into our topic. Excellent. So church and science, uh, faith and reason, can they can they get along? Uh, can you be a person of faith in an age of science? What is the relationship between faith and reason? Can a reasonable person have faith? And can a faithful person rely upon reason? Is it okay to be a Catholic and believe in evolution? These are all good questions. Great questions. Not? We have the expert here for it, too, don't we? That's absolutely true. Uh, here to help us discuss this topic is, of course, it's not Mr. Schlepke, my sixth grade <laughs> uh, science teacher, because he was unavailable. Mr. Schlepke? Schlepke. Schlepke. Um, but we do have a close second, and that's Father Dennis Schenkel, All a, right. a priest from the Diocese of Memphis. And he's uh, heading our way right now. Uh, Father Dennis, welcome to the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Well, thank you, Deacon Jeff and, and Tom. I'm I'm just ready to have some lunch. Well, well should we get somebody? <laughs> we to need order? to get Megan on that. Megan is our waitress for today, and she's excited to have a cup of coffee. Would you like that? Oh, that'd be great, with a little bit of milk. You got it. Or maybe some milk with a little bit of coffee. Excellent. <laughs> faith and reason, reason and faith. So, Father Dennis, let's get right to the heart of the matter here. Okay. Does faith contradict reason? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. I know people wrestle with this. The The truth of it is... That faith and reason can never contradict each other because God is truth. God is a God of reason. That our human reason is a gift from God. We are made in the image and likeness of God. And truth cannot contradict truth. Uh, If we're made in the image and likeness of God and he's given us reason and God himself is a God of reason, then uh, reason cannot contradict our faith. Um, and just as truth cannot contradict truth, and two always equals two, it can't equal something else. Uh, truth must must uh, must be in line with itself. And so, if our faith is true, then also, and things that are reasonable are true, then they must not be able to contradict contradict each other. Well, and our catechism uh, uh, teaches us. Of course, we're referring to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and. Um, in that we get a lot of understanding about how faith and reason work together and the Catholic understanding of faith and reason. Um, in fact, in paragraph 158, it reads, Faith seeks understanding. It is intrinsic to faith that a believer desires to know better the one in whom he has put his faith and to understand better what he has revealed. A more penetrating knowledge will in turn call forth a greater faith, increasingly set afire by love. So when you're saying that faith and reason essentially go hand in hand, that that one cannot exist without the other, this is saying that it's good for us to to seek out and know more about the one 
who created us, and we do that by knowing about what he created. Absolutely. And, you know, something else is, is that, that if our faith is not a reasonable faith, if faith is not reasonable, it can't be true. Um, faith and reason must go together. And, and it is revealed in God's, God's creation, the world around us. In fact, that was the first way that God tried to that God revealed Himself to us, is through the world around us. We uh, God gave us our senses, uh, our eyes and our ears, and we can and our in our in our tongue we can taste and and we can we can see the world around us and get to know God through what He created. Just as you can get to know an artist through his paintings or a writer through his through his uh, through his novels, you can get to know God through the creation that he that he that he put together for us. And of course, based on what you were saying earlier, that. Everything that he created, the, the food that we eat, the, 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 the beautiful things in creation that we look at, the trees and the, the warmth of the sun, all these things, while uh, they don't specifically spell out the word God, you can see and sense and feel that the creator's image is somehow blended in with these, with these beautiful things. God's fingerprints are all over everything. And uh, if you approach it with... If you approach it with reason and with faith, then you have the tools necessary to discover that God really was there because his fingerprints are everywhere. Well, in fact, John Paul II uh, wrote an encyclical called Fides et Ratio, which came out in 1998, and he speaks specifically about this point. He says, there is no reason for competition of any kind between reason and faith. Each contains the other, and each has its own scope for action. So... We can act on reason, we can act on faith, but really when we're doing that, we're actually acting on both, are we not? They go together. There's, You can't have one without the other, just like this cup of coffee uh, wouldn't be right without a little milk in it. <laughs> there, there you go, wonderful. And of course, uh, also in the Catechism, in, in paragraph 159, we read, Though faith is above reason, there can never be any real discrepancy between faith and reason. Since the same God who reveals mysteries and infuses faith has bestowed the light of reason on the human mind, God cannot deny himself, nor can truth ever contradict truth. Consequently, methodical research in all branches of knowledge, provided it is carried out in a truly scientific manner and does not override moral laws, can never conflict with the faith because the things of the world and the things of faith derive from the same God. Obviously, that leads us to our next discussion topic. Now we're talking about science and we're talking about research. I know that the charge has been levied against the Catholic Church that it doesn't like science. In fact, you know, science would ultimately prove the Catholic Church to be wrong and their understanding of God to be wrong, so the Catholic Church has always shunned science. But this paragraph seems to say the opposite, does it not? Not only does this paragraph say the opposite, history actually says the opposite. Um, and even today, if, uh, while, while much of the church's efforts go into evangelization and, and spreading the news of Jesus Christ, uh, part of that mission includes the Vatican Observatory in, in Arizona, which is run by, by Jesuit priests. Um, there are four Jesuit priests assigned to the Vatican. So even now, the, the, the church is supporting the works of science, the works of, of scientific inquiry. Um, and historically, the church has been the great patrons of science. Um, uh, even, even Galileo, who many people perceive the church as having, having uh, uh, 
repressed, even Galileo received most of his funding from the Catholic Church. The funding for his research, the funding for how to for building his telescopes and everything, that was all that was all the work of the church that helped him do that. Now we could do an entire show on Galileo and and Galileo's re- relationship to the church, but in a nutshell, can we say really what happened that sort of set the record straight on Galileo? I know a lot of people have accused the church of of uh, of putting his research and his findings down and uh, of uh, basically uh, locking him up in a cell and telling him to, to shut up. He, he believed that the, that the earth went around the sun, and that, that actually turns out to be true. Um, but at his time, there wasn't enough evidence to prove it beyond all doubt. Uh, the evidence actually, the evidence required to prove it wasn't actually available until better telescopes were available in the late 1700s. So it was another 200 years or so before he was proved. But um, he was... Uh, simply, uh, he was simply disciplined. Uh, he was never tortured. He was never executed. Um, he did spend some time under house, house arrest. And the only reason for that was be, not because of his scientific theory, but because he was saying that the theory is true and that therefore that had theological implications. And then he was wandering off into the realm of theology, which he didn't have an expertise to talk about or the authority to talk about. And uh, that's, you know, he, he just got, he got himself into trouble. One might look at that and say, well, obviously the church doesn't like science, and that's why they put Galileo down. But in truth, what they, the church at the time was objecting to was his positing of his, what were then theories, right? that were actually, they turned out to be true in, in, a, in many regards, but he was saying, this is true, and he put theological implications on those theories. And it, and it turned out that he didn't have the evidence yet to say it was true. All he had so far at that point was he had a good theory, a good working model, a hypothesis. It needed more study, um, and even the even the the people of the even the people of the church were saying, you know, we want scientific evidence for this. The church does not oppose science. The church does not oppose scientific inquiry. In fact, the church was at the time upholding the highest standards of scientific inquiry by saying, let's see the evidence, let's see the results of your studies, let's see more data. And again, um, we want to reiterate that the church has always thought that science was good, especially science done that understands the moral law and doesn't supersede and trample on the moral law. Because ultimately, science helps us understand more and more, as we were saying earlier, more and more about what God created and how he created it. And it reveals to us more about who God is and how he loves us. In fact, we go back to the catechism in paragraph 283, talking about science. And it says, the question about the origins of the world and of man have been the object of many scientific studies which have splendidly enriched our knowledge of the age and dimensions of the cosmos. The development of life forms and the appearance of man, these discoveries invite us to even greater admiration for the greatness of the Creator, prompting us to give Him thanks for all His works and for the understanding and wisdom he gives to scholars and researchers. And, of course, that's saying that the church says science is great only because, like you said earlier on, it's going to point us right back to God. If science is done with a truly open and inquisitive mind that loves God, then it's going to find God because God created all that we're examining. Absolutely. Well, wonderful. So what we're going to do is we're going to continue where we left off. Uh, and we have some more uh, discussion time with Father Dennis and uh, about the Catholic understanding of science when we return from a short break. But first, I just want to remind everyone about our website at www.thecatholiccafe.com. 
where you can find a wealth of information, including MP3s of this and other shows, podcasting, and lots of links to other great Catholic resources on the web. There's also a nice picture of Tom on the website, by the way. Thank you, Deacon Jeff. And also, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, send me an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. So don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Dominic de Guzman was born of a wealthy family of nobility in Spain in 1170. When she became pregnant, his mother had a vision that her unborn son was a dog who would set the world on fire with the torch that he carried in his mouth. St. Dominic would grow up to found the Order of the Friars Preachers, and the image of the dog carrying a torch would forever become associated with his Dominican order. St. Dominic loved learning. In school, he excelled in theology and philosophy, but he also practiced great charity. On one occasion, he had a collection of fine religious books hand-printed on parchment. He sold them all so that he could distribute the money to the poor. I could not bear to prize dead skins, he said, when living skins were starving and in need. St. Dominic was a tireless fighter of heresy and felt a strong call to defend the Catholic Church to all who would challenge her teaching. But sometimes he would get discouraged because no matter how hard he fought, heresy still remained. But as the story goes, the Virgin Mary came to him in a vision and showed him a wreath of roses which represented the rosary. She instructed St. Dominic to pray the rosary daily and share the devotion with everyone he encountered. If he did this, the Blessed Mother told him, the truth of God would surely triumph over heresy. Tradition also tells us that one day he had a vision of a beggar who, just like St. Dominic, was destined for wonderful accomplishments for the faith. On the next day, that very beggar was standing in front of St. Dominic, who reached out, embraced the beggar, and told him, You are my companion and must walk with me. If we hold together, no earthly power can withstand us. That beggar was none other than St. Francis of Assisi. At his baptism, St. Dominic's mother saw a star shining in his chest, and for this reason, St. Dominic is the patron of astronomers. He is frequently depicted with a star above his head in classic art. His successor as Master General of the Dominican Order, Jordan of Saxony, said of St. Dominic, Nothing disturbed the even temper of his soul except his quick sympathy with every sort of suffering. And as a man's face shows whether he is happy or not, it was easy to see from his friendly and joyous countenance that he was at peace inwardly. St. Dominic died in the summer of 1221. His feast day is August 4th. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff here with Tom Dorian. Tom, I noticed uh, you haven't fallen asleep one time. That's good stuff, I'm telling you. Absolutely. It's wonderful. I'm wired. It's, it's, not, the, it's the coffee, too. It's, I was going to say, it's not like a science class in college for you, is it? <laughs> no. <at all? laughs> You were sleeping. I don't remember going to class. Yeah, I know. That's yeah, what's going yeah. on there. Anyway, we've still got Father Dennis Schenkel here. Uh, we haven't run him off yet. Not our, yet. And our heresy meter has hardly even budged. Can uh, Megan get you another cup of coffee there, Father, or are you okay? 
I'm okay for right now. I'll okay. let you know. All right. Thank All you. right. So, Father Dennis, uh, let's pick up where we left off. We were just talking about the, the relationship between faith and reason and the church's understanding that faith and reason go hand in hand, that faith must be reasonable. And it's okay to reason out your faith as well. So let's talk now about is there any support in Scripture for this concept of faith and reason or knowledge and understanding going hand in hand with with faith in God? You know, I'm thinking of uh, in Proverbs, uh, which was written by Solomon, that uh, in Proverbs 16, 16, we have, he says, How much better to acquire wisdom than gold. To acquire understanding is more desirable than silver. And here uh, Solomon is saying that, that, that human wisdom, which ultimately finds its source in God, is a good thing. That it's good to, to, uh, to acquire wisdom and to acquire knowledge and to acquire understanding. And then, you know, I'm also thinking of earlier we were talking about how uh, we can see that God's uh, that, that God's work is everywhere around us. That, that there's evidence of God in in the created world around us. And and in, in Romans one verse twenty, uh, Saint Paul tells us that ever since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes of eternal power and divinity have been able to be understood and perceived in what He has made. Oh, so if we look at what He's made, if we look at the mountains, if we look at the trees, if we look at ourselves, if we look at our the, the people that surround us, we can truly see God in that as as, as well. Sure, and that's and that's not just uh, w- with our uh, with our ordinary everyday use of human senses, but also even using scientific instruments and examining everything down to the smallest, minutest part particles, subatomic particles, to the to the grandest views uh, that we have from the Hubble Space Telescope. Uh, give us more and more perspective on what God has created and and give us more insight into who he is. Well, we also have uh, a quote uh, from James uh, in uh, chapter 1, verses uh, 5 and 6 that talk about the relationship between faith and reason. But if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and he will be given it. But he should ask in faith, not doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed about by the wind. Obviously, to seek wisdom is great, but you have to do it with faith. Right. In fact, that's <clears throat> that's the that's the very definition of what theology is. When when uh, uh, Christians study theology and they want to learn more about God, it's the classic definition of theology is faith seeking understanding. But we begin with faith. So closely tied to this discussion of faith and reason and science and the church is obviously uh, a topic that's on a lot of people's minds, especially in the schools when we're talking about what, our, what we're teaching our children. Uh, and you hear this, uh, this constant uh, discussion about the difference between creationism and evolutionism, you know, creation and evolution. Uh, as Catholics... You know, I know there are many people who are who are not sure, and there are many Catholics who don't know what they should or should not believe, or what they are, can or cannot believe. Set that record straight for us. Well, the short answer is that a Catholic is free, as a Catholic, to believe that God created everything in seven days, or that God created everything through the use of uh, the mechanism of evolution, uh, but that a Catholic, a Christian, every Christian, must believe 
that God created everything out of nothing, that it was God who created us. He created human beings in his image and likeness, that that the, the specifics of the Genesis story don't matter as much as, and it's not that they don't matter, but that, but that, but that we're free to read them with figurative language. Uh, but the but the message of them is absolutely true that God created everything out of nothing that once there was nothing and then God created and that that when God created human beings he created us in his image and likeness special above everything else in creation what what about the jews did would the jews have interpreted that that the same way or well this you know the the book of genesis is a, is historically a hebrew document it right. is jewish literature and right. they would have understood it as as uh, as literary as figurative, um, they would have understood it as uh, a group of stories intended to teach them what God wants them to know about Himself and about their origins. I don't think that they would have treated it as a scientific document, because it wasn't until the 1700s or the 1600s that that uh, the age of science and evidence and everything started to to develop in the Western world, and. Uh, uh, in the, in the time of the ancient Jews, they would have read it as, as uh, as their as their as their literature and as their as their stories of origin. But uh, they wouldn't have treated it as science because the concept of science wasn't there. In the in the Catechism, it does speak specifically about how the world was created. If we look at the paragraph three thirty eight in the Catechism, we'd find that it says that nothing exists that does not owe its existence to God, the Creator. The world began when God's Word drew it out of nothingness. All existent beings, all of nature, and all human history is rooted in this primordial event, the very genesis by which the world was constituted and time begun. So there's the catechism speaking the timeless truth that the church has always taught, and that is it doesn't matter how God did it. All that matters is that God did it, that we see God in this event. And, you know, and we can believe as Catholics that God engaged the creation in the, in, uh, by using a mechanism of evolution that, that over time some species died off and other species survived given their, given their environment and, and certain, certain creatures with, with certain traits were better able to survive and adapt to the environment as time went on. And we can even see natural selection actually at work today. People who say that, that evolution isn't true or that it doesn't happen, well, uh, whether, whether it actually happened historically, that that's, where, that's how God did things, we can see natural selection at work uh, in species today. Some species are better able to adapt to the environment. People talk about climate change that uh, natural selection really does take place. And it's, and it's reasonable, if we're talking about faith and reason, it's reasonable to think that if God is using natural selection even today, that this is how God has always engaged the, 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 the created world, that, that there has always been natural selection going on, that there's always been sp- some species coming into being and other species not, not, uh, not surviving. And... Uh, and that this is a part of the natural world that God created and that it's a good thing. Of course, two quick points about believing as a Catholic in the evolutionary process. It's okay to believe in that process as long as, one, you believe that God, it was done under God's guidance. It was his intention all along for this process to take place. It was part of his creation process. Sure. As long as you believe that, A, and B, that the one thing that was not sort of developed over time that, that evolved was man's soul. That our soul was created by a loving God, it's unique, and it's created in the image and likeness of God, 
but it was created instantaneously by God. And each individual soul is created at the moment of that person's conception. And that creation is an ongoing thing that when, and, uh, that when husbands and wives uh, engage in, in, in the act of love, that they are participating in God's ongoing creation. Even today, God is creating. God continues to create out of love. One other thing that's sort of related to this, uh, the creation story, is we go back to Adam and Eve. You know, there's a lot of discussion about whether or not did the world really become populated with so many billions of people now from two original parents? Well, there are people that say that human beings descended from a tribe or from a group of people that were human-like. Um, that's, uh, that's a concept called polygenism. Right, but... The Catholic Church has always held uh, that human beings descended from two parents, a mother and a father, an original mother and a father. Uh, their names are given to us in the Bible, Adam and Eve. And, uh, and even today's, the best science that we have today actually seems to contradict polygenism, that, that uh, the best DNA science that we have looking at the, the, nuclear, the nuclear strands in the human cell seems to indicate that all human beings descended from one mother and one father. Again, you're using science to sort of bolster your faith there. Uh, because father. faith and reason go together. That's exactly right. So it can make sense. But again, this concept that we come from two parents, which is monogenism, uh, you've got the two parents theory and you've got the multiple parents theory. And the reason why Catholics can't are not allowed to believe that we came from multiple parents really is tied to that concept of original sin. That's right, that our first parents messed up and that we live with the consequences of that. But thankfully, Jesus Christ died for our sins, and that might be a topic for another program. That's exactly right. And, and yes, Jesus did come to save us. And obviously, if some of us came from a lineage that didn't have the stain of original sin, then Jesus wouldn't be coming to save them because they wouldn't need salvation. You know, so that's a whole, you're exactly right, it's a whole other concept and a whole other show. Uh, in fact, this has been a very, very interesting discussion, and we could spend much more time talking about this, could we not, Tom? Easily. Absolutely. So, Father Dennis, we do thank you so much for joining us today and helping in our discussion. It has been my pleasure to be here. You were much better than uh, Mr. Schlepkis, my sixth grade <laughs> science teacher, by the way. He Hopefully he's not sp- listening. I think he's passed on. But. Oh, okay. Well, then I'm he sorry. is listening. <laughs> yeah, he is listening. Thank you very much. The Communion of Saints, another show topic yet again. <laughs> anyway, wonderful. Thanks again to Father Dennis Schenkel. So now uh, let's remember that where two or more are gathered in his name, that God is truly with us. Heavenly Father, you created all things from nothing, the earth and the sky, the plants and the animals, and your crowning of creation was mankind. You blessed each of us with a unique and precious soul. Help us to see you in all that you created. Help us to realize that the truths of creation were all designed to lead us to you, the ultimate truth. We ask you to grant this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. 
Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table. 